and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 77, we'll be talking about how, as an English speaker, one of the trickiest things to learn is when to use the Spanish verbs estar and ser. Now, they both mean to be, but they're both used in very distinct ways. So, we're going to do a three-part series to dive deep into how to use these verbs correctly. And we will begin our cultural tip mini-series on Bolivia. Entonces, ¡vámonos! Just a quick note before we start, if you would like more resources to help you with ser versus estar, and other Spanish grammar, check out the links in today's show notes. Full disclosure, some of them are Amazon affiliate links. And if you want more information, please see my disclosure policy. And I have clearly marked which links are affiliate links. But these resources were invaluable in preparing for this episode series. So please enjoy. Now, we'll start our series with the verb ser. You've probably heard that ser refers to things that are permanent, but that's only kind of true. It's more accurate to think of ser as referring to things that can be permanent, but also things that are the norm, such as your eye color or nationality, but also characteristics that describe you, like kind or intelligent. Ser is also the heavy lifter in the ser versus estar relationship. There are more scenarios where you would want to use it. So to help you remember these specific scenarios, I've created a helpful mnemonic. Se viene. There are three ways to use this mnemonic, all aligned with the word ser. Now, it might be a bit complicated, so please bear with me. In the word ser, we have S for se, E for expresión, and R for revelación, or if you're not from Spain, Revelación. And together it's S E R, ser, se, expresión, revelación. And you merely apply this ser to the mnemonic se tiene. So let's go through this a little bit, right? I just want to make sure that these are all connected. So let's start with se. In the expression se tiene, we first have the word se, S E. This is to remind you of the first scenario in which you would use the verb ser instead of estar, passive voice. Now, you're probably familiar with the general use of passive voice. Say, correct. I mean, if not, no worries. We will have a separate episode on that specific grammatical construct later. For now, the basic principle of the passive voice is that an action is performed in a sentence, but there's not really a clear person or thing who performed the action. For example, a normal active sentence would be, John threw the ball. But if you were to take this sentence and change it to passive voice, it would be, the ball was thrown. Suddenly, we have no idea who threw the ball, only that this action happened. And that is, in essence, what passive voice does. Generally speaking, unless you are writing for a scientific journal, you should avoid this style of writing. Now, there could be other areas where passive voice is required, but I wouldn't know. All I know is that in college, my husband's science teachers demanded he use passive voice when writing labs, whereas my business, English, and history teachers would mark me down if I dared use it. Anyway, I digress. In Spanish, they also use passive voice. 
A lot of times you'll see it formed by putting the word say in front of a verb. And if you've been anywhere that has a heavy Hispanic influence, you might have seen signs with se vende on them, such as se vende libros aquí or se venden quesadillas to advertise what types of things they sell at the store. Or perhaps you've seen signs with no se fuma to make sure customers know smoking is not allowed. But one of the other ways you can also use the passive voice in Spanish is with the verb ser. All you have to do is use ser plus a past participle and voila, passive voice. Just make sure that the past participle matches the gender and number of the noun. So, for example, la manzana es comida. The apple is eaten. La manzana es comida. The apple is eaten. So, comida is singular and feminine. Los coches fueron robados. The cars were stolen. Los coches fueron robados. The cars were stolen. And in this case, robados is, is masculine and plural. El ordenador será comprado por mi hermanito. The computer will be bought by my little brother. And note how you can still, in a convoluted way, convey who will be doing the action by adding the prepositional phrase por and a subject. So, el ordenador será comprado por mi hermanito. The computer will be bought by my little brother. Las ventanas fueron rotas. The windows were broken. Hence, the first word in our mnemonic phrase of se tiene, or se, points you to the passive voice. All right, the next part in ser is expresión. And this points to the whole expression of se tiene, which is the verb tener or to have in the passive voice. So this refers to the fact that ser is used and not estar when talking about possession. Se tiene? Is it had? Think of possession. Just think of tener and possession. If you link those two, you can remember that ser is used when talking about possession. For example, eso es mío. That is mine. Eso es mío. That is mine. El perrito es de mi padre. The puppy is my dad's. El perrito es de mi padre. The puppy is my dad's. La bufanda es de Juanita. The scarf is Juanita's. La bufanda es de Juanita. The scarf is Juanita's. And finally, we use the last letter in ser, that's R, to look at our helpful mnemonic, se tiene, for further revelación or revelation within the word tiene. And what I mean by this is that tiene, in this case, is an acronym for the last four events or scenarios where you would use ser. So if you look at tiene, you have T for time, I and E for impersonal expressions, N for norms, and E for event locations. So let's dive into this. With that first letter T, right, we're referring to time. And ser is used whenever you are talking about the year, the seasons, the month, the week, the day, or even the hour. So for example, ¿Qué año es? 2022. What year is it? 2022. ¿Qué año es? 2022. What year is it? 2022. La próxima temporada es otoño. No puedo esperar. 
the next season is fall. I can't wait. La próxima temporada es otoño. No puedo esperar. The next season is fall. I can't wait. ¿Es en enero? No. ¿Es en diciembre? Is it in January? No. It is in December. ¿Es en enero? No. ¿Es en diciembre? Is it in January? No. It is in December. ¿Qué hora es? ¿Es... ¿Qué hora es? Es las diez y media por la mañana. What time is it? It is 10.30 a.m. ¿Qué hora es? Es las diez y media por la mañana. What time is it? It is 10.30 a.m. Our second part of the acronym for TNA are the two letters IE, which go together to represent impersonal expressions. Basically, in these types of expressions, you do not have a subject. Rather, use the structure ser plus adjective or noun to express something that is an opinion or value statement. And this can be used in a lot of ways. For starters, if you are merely referring to a general situation or idea, you would use ser plus an adjective or noun plus the infinitive verb. And some examples of ser plus adjective plus infinitive verb would be Es importante comer el brócoli. It is important to eat broccoli. Es importante comer el brócoli. It is important to eat broccoli. Now you'll notice we're not saying that it's important for someone specific to eat broccoli. Just in general, it's a good thing to do. Es necesario combatir los incendiendos forestales. It is necessary to fight forest fires. Es necesario combatir los incendiendos forestales. It is necessary to fight forest fires. Es bueno probar cosas nuevas. It is good to try new things. Es bueno probar cosas nuevas. It is good to try new things. Es malo cultivar hierbas venenosas. It is bad to grow poisonous herbs. Es malo cultivar hierbas venenosas. It is bad to grow poisonous herbs. Now, some examples with ser plus a noun plus the infinitive verb would be Es una pena perder la cartera. It is a shame to lose one's wallet. Es una pena perder la cartera. It is a shame to lose one's wallet. Es una cosa maravillosa hacer nuevos amigos. It is a wonderful thing to make new friends. Es una cosa maravillosa hacer nuevos amigos. It is a wonderful thing to make new friends. Es un lío tratar de arreglar esta relación. It's a mess trying to fix this relationship. Es un lío tratar de arreglar esta relación. It's a mess trying to fix this relationship. Now, if you are referring to a specific situation and or person, then you use ser plus the adjective or noun, plus que, and plus the subjunctive. So some examples with ser plus adjective, plus que, plus subjunctive, and taking those previous examples we had with the infinitive and now making them more specific, this is what we end up with. Es importante que coma su broccoli. It is important that he eats his broccoli. Notice how now we have a very specific person who needs to eat his broccoli. Es importante que coma su broccoli. It is important that he eats his broccoli. And do you see how the que then transforms the comer into a subjunctive coma instead of come? 
Es necesario que combatamos los incendios forestales. It is necessary that we fight forest fires. Es necesario que combatamos los incendios forestales. It is necessary that we fight forest fires. Es bueno que pruebas cosas nuevas. It is good that you try new things. Es bueno que pruebas cosas nuevas. It is good that you try new things. Es malo que cultiven venenosas hierbas. It is bad that they are growing poisonous herbs. Es malo que cultiven venenosas hierbas. It is bad that they are growing poisonous herbs. So just again to highlight, we have es importante comer versus es importante que coma. Es necesario combatir versus es necesario que combatamos. And es bueno probar versus es bueno que pruebas. And es malo cultivar versus es malo que cultiven. Now, we can do the same thing here with ser plus a noun plus que plus the subjunctive. And again, we'll take those previous examples with the infinitive and make them more specific now. So, es una pena que hayas perdido la cartera. It is a shame that you have lost your wallet. Es una pena que hayas perdido la cartera. It is a shame that you have lost your wallet. Es una cosa maravillosa que haga nuevos amigos. It is a wonderful thing that he makes new friends. Es una cosa maravillosa que haga nuevos amigos. It is a wonderful thing that he makes new friends. Es un lío que traten de arreglar esta relación. It's a mess that they are trying to fix this relationship. Es un lío que traten de arreglar esta relación. It's a mess that they are trying to fix this relationship. So again, just to highlight the differences here, we have es una pena perder versus es una pena que hayas perdido. Es una cosa maravillosa hacer versus es una cosa maravillosa que haga. Es un lío tratar versus es un lío que traten. Now, there is an exception to this general rule. If you are expressing facts, that's facts, be an impersonal expression, not opinion, then you use the indicative statement rather than the subjunctive after the word que. So, for example, es obvio que come su broccoli. It is obvious that he eats his broccoli. Es lógico que combatimos los incendios forestales. It is logical that we fight forest fires. Es un hecho que has perdido la cartera. It is a fact that you have lost your wallet. Es un hecho que has perdido la cartera. It is a fact that you have lost your wallet. Es evidente que hizo nuevos amigos. It is evident that he made new friends. So again, we just to highlight this, if you are talking about a fact, then in this grammatical structure, you do not use the subjunctive. So... Es importante que coma su broccoli. If you make it into a fact, it becomes es obvio que come su broccoli. Es necesario que combatamos turns into es lógico que combatimos. Es una pena que hayas perdido la cartera turns into es un hecho que has perdido la cartera. And es una cosa maravillosa que haga 
can become es evidente que hizo. So hopefully that's crystal clear. If not, no worries. I'm sure we'll repeat some of this in episodes about the subjunctive. Anyways, let's go on to our third part of the acronym, our next letter in tiene, which is N for norms. Now, this section refers to a person's characteristics or a thing's characteristics that either cannot be changed or that are the norm for them. So they're either permanent or it is something you expect them to have or be like all the time. Let's start first with some examples of things that cannot be changed. So this would be like ethnicity or nationality. Ella es asiática. Él es de Zimbabwe. She is Asian. He is from Zimbabwe. Ella es asiática. Él es de Zimbabwe. She is Asian. He is from Zimbabwe. Or you might talk about family relations. You know, you can't change your kin whether you like it or not. So, ella es mi madre. She is my mother. Ella es mi madre. She is my mother. You also use ser when you're talking about the material something is made of. So, ese vestido es de terciopelo. That dress is velvet. Ese vestido es de terciopelo. That dress is velvet. Math is another one that is true all the time. So, uno más uno es dos. One plus one is two. Uno más uno es dos. One plus one is two. The quantities of things is also permanent, right? Hay tres patos. There are three ducks. Hay tres patos. There are three ducks. The purpose of something. The reason that you do something or give something to someone. In this scenario, you would also use ser. For example, este episodio es para ayudarte en tu travesía lingüística. This episode is to help you on your language journey. Este episodio es para ayudarte en tu travesía lingüística. This episode is to help you on your language journey. You also use ser when you're referring to hierarchy or order. So an example would be, esa es la segunda campana. That is the second bell. Esa es la segunda campana. That is the second bell. Now, other things that would fall under the norms would be things that perhaps could change, but they are the norm for you. They may even be a central characteristic of what or who you are. For example, hair color. Él es rubio. He is blonde. Él es rubio. He is blonde. Your profession. Soy ingeniero. I am an engineer. Now, note that in Spanish, they do not say I am a professor or he is an astronaut. They leave out the articles. Soy ingeniero. I am an engineer. And it's the same with religion as well. So you don't use the article in Spanish when you talk about your religion. For example, soy cristiana. I am a Christian. Soy cristiana. I am a Christian. You also use ser when you're talking about personal qualities. Abigail is muy inteligente. Juan is muy amable. Abigail is very intelligent. Juan is very kind. Abigail is muy inteligente. Juan is muy amable. Abigail is very intelligent. Juan is very kind. One that you might not have heard of before is you use es when you're talking about someone's artistic style. So again, something that is the norm for them, but could eventually change. 
Él es un surrealista. He is a surrealist. Él es un surrealista. He is a surrealist. They also use ser when talking about political parties. So ellos son republicanos. Él es un liberal. They are republicans. He is a liberal. Ellos son republicanos. Él es un liberal. They are republicans. He is a liberal. When you're talking about age, you also use ser because it is, while it might change over time, it is something very intrinsic about you in this moment, correct? And for a while later, it's not like you age super, super quickly. So, él es un hombre viejo. He is an old man. Él es un hombre viejo. He is an old man. And finally, when you're talking about costs. Esos zapatos cuestan 35 dólares. Those shoes are $35. Esos zapatos cuestan 35 dólares. Those shoes are $35. All right, and lastly, our last letter from tiene for our mnemonic is E for event locations. And while estar is used to express most location-related items, if you want to know where an event will be held, you use the verb ser. For example, ¿Dónde es la fiesta de cumpleaños de John? Es en el apartamento de la Sexta Avenida. Where is the birthday party for John? It's in the apartment on Sixth Avenue. ¿Dónde es la conferencia de negocios? Es en el hotel. Where is the business conference? It's in the hotel. Or another way to say this is, where is the business conference being held? It is being held in the hotel. ¿Dónde es la conferencia de negocios? Es en el hotel. Where is the business conference? Or where is the business conference held? It is in the hotel or at the hotel, depending on how you want to translate it into English. And there you have it. All you need to remember for all the different ways that you can use ser is to remember ser plus se tiene and just link those two together. So you've got se for the passive voice in se tiene. You have expresión for the expression se tiene to help you remember that you have a possessive or you use it for possessive. Is it had? Is it a possessive? And then revelación. So tiene, right? The revelation is in the acronym tiene for time, impersonal expressions, norms, and event locations. So I hope that this episode was more helpful than confusing. Ser is a very useful verb, but it definitely gets a lot of mileage and is it can be complicated to remember when to use it. So please remember, if you have any questions, you can always contact me at contact at a languageanswers.com. And now to kind of decompress from that in-depth dive on ser, let's go on to our cultural tip regarding Bolivia. All right, so our first cultural tip regarding Bolivia. Let's go over some country facts. Its full name is the Estado Plurinacional de Bolivia, or the Plurinational State of Bolivia. And its size, according to the CIA's World Factbook, is not 
quite three times the size of the state of Montana. Almost, but not quite. It is located in South America, and it is west and south of Brazil, east of Peru and Chile, and north of Paraguay and Argentina. Now, it and Paraguay are the only two landlocked countries in South America. Now, its government type is a little, it's a little convoluted, so bear with me. It is a presidential republic, and the current president is President Luis Alberto Arce Caracuera as of November 2020. He is both head of government and the chief of state. Interestingly enough, both the president and the vice president are elected together directly by the people, but have to win at least 50% of the vote, or 40% of the vote as long as they have 10% more than the next highest candidate. But if that doesn't happen, then the people vote again and the winner is chosen via majority vote. Now, they do not have term limits as of 2017, but they serve for five-year terms. The legislative branch is a bicameral plurinational legislative assembly. Boy, is that a mouthful. Also known as the Asamblea Legislativa Plurinacional. It is made up of two chambers. The first is the Chamber of Senators, or Cámara de Senadores, which has 36 seats directly elected by what the CIA's World Factbook describes as, and I quote, multi-seat constituencies by party list proportional representation vote, unquote. So try to figure out what that means. If you do, please send me a note explaining it. Anyways, next is the Chamber of Deputies, or Cámara de Diputados, which has 130 seats. 70 of those are elected the same way the senators are, but 53 are via single-seat constituencies with, again I quote, closed party list proportional representation vote, unquote. And the last seven are directly elected in single-seat constituencies via majority vote. All legislators serve five-year terms. Now, when it comes to the judicial branch, Bolivia has a lot of courts. There is the Supreme Court, Tribunal Supremo de Justicia, which has 12 judges, and the Plurinational Constitutional Tribunal, which has seven primary magistrates and seven alternates. They also have the Plurinational Electoral Organ, with seven members and six alternates, and the National Agro-Environment Court, with five primary judges and five alternates. Lastly, there's the Council of the Judiciary, which has three primary judges and three alternates. If you are paying attention, that is five high courts. And really long names. For all of the courts, minus the plurinational electoral organ, the judges are pre-selected by the Assembly and then elected directly via popular vote. Six of the plurinational electoral organ judges are appointed by the Legislative Assembly and one by the President. And for all courts, the judges serve six-year terms. Oh, can we just take a moment to just, like, I'm so proud that I was able to say all of those names without stumbling horrifically on them. Anyways, carrying on. The capital city of Bolivia, well, okay, there's actually two capital cities. La Paz is the administrative capital whereas Sucre is the constitutional capital. Its religion, as of 2018, is mainly Roman Catholic at 70%, with Evangelical Christian at 14.5%. When we talk about the official languages, Bolivia is really cool, in that Spanish is not the only official language. As of 2009, the Bolivian constitution made Spanish in all 36 indigenous languages official, even though some of them are extinct. As of about 2001, about 60.7% of Bolivians speak Spanish, 21.2% Chechua, and 14.6% Aymara. 
The currency is Bolivianos or BOB. And lastly, let's talk about a brief history. So Bolivia has a very turbulent history. It fell under Spanish rule, like most of Latin America, and then gained independence in 1825. It had a series of very unstable governments, with democracy finally being restored in 1982. One of the more modern presidents, Evo Morales, a socialist, was elected president in 2005. He won re-election in 2009 and 2014, but was not allowed to run again in 2019. That is, until the Supreme Court rules that it was a violation of human rights to have term limits in 2017. In the 2019 election, however, Morales had to flee the country due to military pressure, claims of election fraud, and violence. So President Hernine Anes Chavez set up an interim government and President Luis Alberto Arce Catacora was elected in October of 2020. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a bit of a more complex episode. So please don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. And if you'd prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode or to help wrap your brain around all of the different ways to use ser, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at language, languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation. English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. I'll see you in two weeks. Hasta luego! Mm-hmm.